Um, actually, when this church was first planted, I got to spend a lot of time here, uh, a few different times, just coming, trying to be an encouragement. I think we dropped off a bunch of gear one time, um, just uh, got to be in a kind of consistent relationship. And so it's fun for me to now come back here several years later and see a, a rad crew. This is a, man, I look around, I'm like, this is a beautiful little church. I am digging it. I am so excited about being here. It's a gift for my family and I to just come and, and jump into the scriptures with you. A little bit about me. I grew up north of here in a little village called Chewila, Washington. Uh, went away to college in Salem, Oregon. Met my wife now of 18 years. We've been married for 18 years. We have two kiddos. I have a 10-year-old, Parker, and then my daughter, Ellery. She's seven. And uh, we currently right now live in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, so just down 90. And uh, can't wait to see you there next. Uh, maybe we'll see you on the paddle boards. I don't know, but I uh, would love to uh, uh, see you out there. But um, we've been there for almost two years. It'll be two years in December. And I currently am working at a company called Subsplash. So I get to mix it up with leaders like Matt uh, in uh, just providing like tech stacks for churches and nonprofits. And so that's what I'm doing right now in this time. And again, it's a gift uh, for me to get to be here uh, today with you, um, jumping into um, a series you guys have been in called Practicing the Way of Jesus. Um, really, that, that's my hope uh, today is that all of us would, you know, evaluate a little bit about our walk with God in a, a lot of different areas, but today specifically in prayer. And so, um, you know, I think first it's on my heart that, that we can begin to try to practice the way of Jesus and immediately maybe feel like guilt and shame. And so I want to just cut that off right now, actually, <laughs> right now before we get started, because I think that actually that's from the evil one rather than God inviting us in to grow, because we all have room to grow this morning. Amen? Amen. We all have room to grow. And so in that, I'm excited for us to grow in the concept of prayer and what that looks like. And I've asked, uh, really, I guess I've prepared, not asked, I've prepared to go, okay, Jesus, we really want you to teach us how to pray today. And so that's what we're really going to ask. Jesus, please teach us to pray today. Okay. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, you can jump into Luke 11. But before we get there, as my friend Evan said, we're going to hand out some, some quick sheets to you, and hopefully you have a pen. I've got a little exercise for us. And although uh, there are some strong ladies and men in here, I'm not going to ask you to do push-ups or anything, okay? So that, that's not this kind of exercise. All right. <laughs> I, uh, I was hanging out with my brother the other day, and he goes, Kenny, when was the last time you did a pull-up? I said, uh, I, I actually have no idea. He goes, I tried it the other day, and I couldn't even get one. <laughs> so, yes, we're not doing that type of exercise today. Um, but I do want you to look at this sheet once you get one. Everybody got one? We close? You guys are doing a spectacular job of handing those out with pens. The multitasking that you're doing is next level right now. All right, at that first spot, I would like you to write down this question. 
what does your prayer life look like? What does your prayer life look like today? Next, just below that, I want you to circle one of the options available to you. So what would you say your prayer life is like? Great, okay, not okay, or non-existent? Remember, there are no dumb answers, just honest ones. Just honest ones. All right? The last two pieces of this little exercise, though, is going to take us a little bit longer. And I, I want you to think about your current prayer life, and I want you to think about what would you like to see change? I'll give you a couple seconds on that one, more like a minute. I'll give you a minute. What would you like to see change in your prayer life? Give you a little bit more time. What would you like to see change in your prayer life? So what is your prayer life like today? You circled one of the options for me, and then you shared with me, what would you like to see change? All right. I'm going to say this again because I want to overemphasize it. But no matter your answer to these questions, no matter what you're feeling, let's see today as an opportunity, an opportunity to grow in our prayer life. Like I said, all of us in Jesus, okay, we, we do have this gap from where we are today and where we want to be. There's a gap between this spot of maturity that we hope to be like. And if you are in Jesus, then you are growing in Christ-likeness by the power of the Spirit. And as we move towards growing in prayer, I thought it would be fun to direct you also, though, to some great resources. There are just two. You can write these down on that sheet of paper as well. The first resource is this. If you've never read the book, A Praying Life by Paul Miller, that is a great book to jump into. A Praying Life by Paul Miller. Second, there's an app out there called the Echo app. This is actually a prayer app that I've found helpful just for my own personality. I, I love being able to write down what I'm praying about and kind of in some ways every day check those off the list. 
as I'm praying about them. And then what this app also allows you to do is once that prayer has been answered, it kind of lets you jot down a little note, check it off, and move it to like answered prayers. What I love about that piece of it is that you can circle back, even like now, years ago, I can look at all the different prayers that God has answered. And I think that's part of maybe a challenge in our prayer life is that we forget all the things that God has done in the past. So we're looking towards the future. We're asking God to, to maybe move in ways that sometimes I think we go, I don't know if he's going to do that. But we can look back through the Echo app and go, no, God did all this stuff already. And he's trustworthy. And so these are two resources that I just wanted to put in your direction. Um, again, you don't have to check those out, but thought that they would be helpful. And although these are good and helpful, there really is a best resource. It's a person, the man God. When hoping to grow in prayer, we must look to Jesus. And that's what I want to do together today. Jesus is our best teacher. Jesus's life is filled with prayer. As we walk through the scriptures, we actually see some examples. Matthew 14, 23 says this, and after he had dismissed the crowd, so Jesus, during his ministry, after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. Mark 1, 35, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Matthew 26, verse 36, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. In Matthew 26, we actually see Jesus come back to his disciple, disciples and then goes away a second time and prays again. So as you can see, Jesus prays. Jesus' prayer life is no secret, and this is why we find Jesus' disciples wanting to learn from him. Luke 11, verse 1 says this, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, as John taught his disciples. See, before we talk more about prayer, I think it's helpful for us to understand what a disciple is. A disciple learns by hearing his master and doing like his master. When we come to know and love Jesus, he takes his rightful place as our Savior and Lord. In Jesus, we all, if you have been rescued by Jesus, if you've said yes to him, you have a new leader. Jesus is that leader that we are now to follow. This is what Jesus is talking about in John 13, verses 13 through 17. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Verse 17 says this, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So Jesus is saying, come, follow me. Do as I do. Disciples are Jesus followers. Jesus followers not only hear what Jesus says, but they follow his leading. So today as we look at Luke 11, let's not only have a posture of understanding but one of following Jesus' lead. Let's be like 
the disciples truly desiring to want to know how to pray. Not just for knowledge's sake, but that we might pray like Jesus. Let's continue reading. Look at verse 2. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Okay, so from this text, what do I want you to know? The first thing I want you to know is prayer is an invitation. God is inviting us into relationship. This relationship is bound by one that cares. Notice Jesus begins by describing the one we're praying to. He is Father. This is an Aramaic word, Abba, which here means caring Father. God, as our caring Father, invites us, invites you and me into his world to see what's happening around us through new lenses. When we are near to God, our perspective on life shifts. It, it changes. One of the things that you should know about me is my dad is actually a wheat farmer. My dad uh, lives out in Elmira, Washington, another small, small village. You probably miss it on Highway 2 if you just drive by it. Um, it'll, it it's not even really... See, seems to be there, but they actually don't even live even in Almira. They live on the outskirts. They're wheat farmers. And one of the things that I love actually about my kids going there sometimes is they do different things than what they do at my house. So like for instance, my dad's got four wheelers. They love ripping around on the four wheelers together. Um, and this is not just true for my family, but also my sister's family. And uh, about a year ago, I, I noticed some things on uh, my sister's Instagram where she is visiting my, my, my dad. And they were actually out, uh, her son and my dad um, were out on the combine. And they're just driving through the, the wheat fields, do, doing their thing, dumping, you know, dumping wheat in the wheat trucks. And you can see on uh, this little guy's face, my, my nephew's face, just this perma smile. I mean, he is in my dad's world. And at no point was my nephew bossing my dad around about like how to do this. You know, hey, drive the combine there, you know, hey, yep, let that arm go out right now because the, the truck's coming alongside. I mean, he was not bossing my dad around at all, but instead he was taking it all in. He was just so soaking up this world that my dad lives in. See, I, I think this is a great picture, and, and really what we're being invited into, we are being invited into our Father's world in prayer. It's not the other way around. So secondly, prayer is not just an invitation into relationship, but prayer is also the pursuit of a person. Prayer primarily is for us to come to God for God. So how do we do this? Jesus gives us the how-tos of coming to God for God. And the how-tos are filled with the yours and the ours, right? Your name, your how, like how would be your name, your kingdom come, 
Give us our daily bread. So the yours and ours are dripping in this text. Let's look at the two yours first. How would be your name? Your kingdom come. We'd actually see a third if we looked at a similar prayer from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. It says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm sure you never heard that before. Those are the yours from Jesus' teaching on prayer. But there are also the hours. The hours are, give us our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins. Sort of in the same vein, we see, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, I would call these three the hours. This morning, we're going to look at both the yours and the hours. And the first is, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is a word that I never use. I, I mean, maybe you use it. I, I can't remember a time when someone actually used this in a conversation that I had with them. So, so what does it mean? Well, it means that God is the goat, the greatest of all not sure if you're aware, but there's an ongoing debate out there. We got any basketball fans in the house? I, I see one right here. There's this ongoing debate. Who's the best? Jordan or LeBron? Who's the GOAT? Who's the greatest of all time? And, see, exactly my point. See, people are highly opinionated about this. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a thing. It's real. It's real. See, Although that debate is happening, there is a debate that's not happening, and that is this. God is the greatest of all time. God is at, top, at the top, and hallowed be his name. Jesus is teaching us that God should be revered. God is unique and set apart, and when we hallow something, we honor it as uncommon, special, and superior. As we pray to him, we recognize that we are not communicating among peers, rather we come humbly, humbly before a being who is unequaled in the universe. Whatever all we give to anyone in a prominent position on earth is nothing compared to the respect owed to God. Thus, the opening remark sets a proper tone for our spirit as we begin to pray. Also, inside of this phrasing that Jesus uses, he is encouraging his disciples to pray that God would cause himself to be honored. In other words, would you cause yourself to be regarded as holy? Would you let people see you for who you are so that they are no longer people who disregard you? Would you bring about an ever-increasing esteem for your great name, God? Would you do this among the nations? Would you show your great character so that people everywhere might know you and overflow with thankful hearts for all that you are and all that you do. Hallowed be your name. Next, we see your kingdom come. In other words, God, you are the king, and we want your agenda to be happening now, in this place, in this world. I've heard the kingdom described as God's people in God's place, under God's rule. I think this is helpful as we think about the Lord's Prayer. When we pray, your kingdom come, there are factors of longing and loyalty. We are anticipating the coming kingdom on board with God's agenda that we love the king 
himself. See, this prayer, your kingdom come, I actually think it combats a couple things in our world. The first one, it's a convicting prayer. There's conviction tied to this. We cannot pray your kingdom come while promoting our kingdom. Sin is an expression of disloyalty. So when we say your kingdom come, we are saying we want God's kingdom in the world around us and also in us. Secondly, your kingdom come promotes the Satan, that Satan be toppled once and for all. We want Satan and all his demonic scheming, tactical assaults, deadly seduction, hissing lies, and destructive systems to be shattered, broken forever, completely eliminated. Lastly, this portion of the Lord's Prayer advocates for the conquering of souls. When we pray your kingdom come, we're asking God to rescue men and women and and children that they would trust the gospel and receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Lastly, and I'd like to steal this from the book of Matthew, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This last, your phrase, really is the extension of the last one. Because our world is broken, God's will is most often not done on earth as it is in heaven. Because of this truth, we pray that God's will would be done. Naturally, this aligns our will with his. Okay, so those are the yours in this section. Don't lose focus, though, okay? Remember, prayer is an invitation into our Father's world. We come to God for God, and prayer is the pursuit of a person. Now, all this might might sound obvious and simplistic, but I think it's one of the keys to a fruitful prayer life. If I only come to God as a last resort, if I only come to God during an emergency, there shouldn't be any surprise that our prayer life is somewhat disappointing. Colossians 1, one of my favorite books. Colossians, we got any Colossians fans in here? Cool. Chapter 1, verses 15 through 17 says this. God, Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Now, because God... Jesus is creator and sustainer of everything, including me. He has all that I need. He has all that we need. Jesus' teaching on prayer helps us understand our place. All things were not created by me for me. I'm going to say that one more time. All things were not created by me for me. I am not the image of the invisible God. Yes, I was made in God's image, but by no means am I God like Jesus. And I most definitely don't hold all things together. Friends, we get that switched sometimes, don't we? Let's be honest. We get that switched. We think that this was made for me. This was made for me. When oftentimes in our life, we continue to run after these things where we just come up empty. They overpromise and they underdeliver. What's one example? 
I've met dudes that they actually think that ladies were created for them. And then I want to tell you what happens. They try to lean into these relationships and they blow up because the expectations of this man or this woman never are met because I'm telling you right now, they were never made for that. Am I right? Think about our jobs. Were we made for our jobs? I'm just, I'm going to be straight with you right now. There's a lot that I um, do currently in my job that I'm like, man, I don't know if this is what I like all that much. <laughs> like, if I put all of my stock in my job, again, overpromise, underdeliver, because that's not who I was made for. I was made by God for God. And the best news about what we're looking at today is God's going, hey, I invite you into a prayer life that's like this amazing invitation of relationship. And, and now I can actually be a person who leans into what I was made for. And that's all because of the grace of God through his son, Jesus. See, friends, yesterday is in God's hands. Today is in God's hands. And yes, you guessed it. Tomorrow is also in God's hands. He holds all things together. And on my best day, on your best day, like I just want to think, let's just stop for a second. Let's think about that. Think about your best day. Your best day ever. Think about that. Like think about the day that you're just killing it. Think about just everything's just clicking. And guess what? You still are in great need. Amen? You are still in great need. Even when everything's just popping, you are a person who is in great need. On our best day, we are in need of God, and Jesus knows our need, and then he instructs us to pray, God, you are great. God, may your kingdom come. God, may your will be done. Why do we struggle, though? I think part of the reason we struggle with prayer is that we are used to getting things done ourselves. Living in the wealthiest country on the planet, we have grown up with the mantra, if it's going to happen, you make it happen. Pull up your bootstrap, like pull up your boots, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and let's get going. Right? And for the most part, because we are blessed with so much, we can pay our bills. We can navigate through relational challenges and we can figure out our future by ourselves. We and I'm talking to Jesus followers here, have bought the lie that we can make it happen on our own. Yes, God's around. Yes, he's behind the scenes, so to speak. But it's my job to make it happen. Prayer helps us see life as it really is, friends. Apart from God, we are hopeless. We are helpless. Without God's intervention, we don't have a chance, friends. Friends, God is great. God's kingdom is coming, and God's will 
will be done. And that is the yours of the Lord's Prayer. Let's go a bit further, though, and look at the ours. Verse 3, give us, I'm reading again here, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. A couple observations here. The first one is this. Prayer requires humility. Prayer, again, pushes back on self-sufficiency. The reality is we are in need, and prayer helps us see life that way, see life through those lenses. Every day, the created needs the creator. Am I right? Those who ask understand they are in need. Rather than have the attitude of, I got this, we must humbly see our need because of our need. Next, we observe the prayer. What, what's the prayer? Well, the prayer is remembering the Lord's Prayer begins in verse 2 with Father, which means the one who cares. God cares, so he gives. The emphasis here is not on the gift, but actually the giver. Instead of give, Jesus could have used the word grant. Jesus is trying to highlight that God is more than capable to outdo your request. The loving Father is more than capable to outdo your request. The one who cares and gives needs nothing and has everything. Prayer looks to the provider because he has all that we need. I mentioned this just a few moments ago, but I think the reason we struggle with prayer is, again, that self-sufficiency, and we need to fight that. We need to ask the Spirit of God to change that and adjust that in us. I think that Eric Raymond says it well. He says, I suspect that a chief reason for our apathy in prayer is not our own lack of need, but in our perceived lack of need. Many of our prayer lives reflect shallowness and ir irregularity because we somehow have bought the lie that we are sovereign and not in need of help, glorious and not required to worship, and too busy and so not need of the discipline of bending our hearts in submission to God through prayer. Rather than have the attitude, I got this, we must look, friends, to the provider. But what do we look to him for? Look to him for, for what? Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. We need to ask God to provide bread for the body. Our most basic needs come from God. The expectation and recognition is that God is our provider, down to the food that sustains us each day. If the earth did not provide food, where would our nourishment and sustenance come from? The disciple acknowledges God's care at even this basic level. Secondly, the disciple also seeks forgiveness of sin. Sin damages relationship. Rather than hide it, confess it. What might that look like? Well, I love Psalms 51. It says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out 
my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was bought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness and let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Some of you are going back to an old song there. Yeah, I know it. I know it. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Friends, the second part of this particular request recognizes that he or she must give in return what is asked for. The request here is not only this quest of, God, forgive me of our sins, but that we are ready to forgive others. I, I think this is, this is a big deal. It's a big deal. This is what I want to come after real quickly with you. If you have relationship strain in your life and you have been hurt and you are not willing to forgive the way that God has forgiven you, I'm telling you right now, friends, bitterness is just going to grow in you. Please, please trust God with your pain. Trust God with your hurt. Trust God with these things that people have done to you. I mean, have we all been hurt by people? I have. It's a great chance for us to come along again and follow Jesus and forgive those who have wronged us as God has forgiven us. Last, I want to point out that in this prayer, we ask the, pri the provider to give us guidance for the mind. The final request is for spiritual protection. In other words, God, keep me on track. This petition is often misunderstood. Why should we ask God to not lead us into temptation? Surely he has our best interests at heart and does not desire that we be tempted, right? See, the request really reflects a fundamental recognition about ourselves. If we are to be protected from temptation, we must lean on God to protect us. A quick proverb comes to mind. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Without God's leading, we would lead ourselves straight into sin. Thus, this request also reflects a depth of spiritual sensitivity since it understands just how prone to sin we are. We need God to lead us. We need guidance for our minds. 
it's worth pointing out, remember, these are the hours of the Lord's prayers. These are meant to be corporate, though. Hours, not hour, hours. They're meant to be corporate. So these prayers not only should be for ourselves, but also for our brothers and sisters. Yes, we pray the hours for myself, but don't leave out your brother and sister in Christ. Don't leave out the people in this room. We must recognize the community aspect here. So what are some examples? Pray that God's people would have their basic needs met. Pray that the people of this church would seek forgiveness and also forgive those who have wronged them. Pray for the missionary across the world asking God to lead them not into temptation. Okay, so when we pray, we ask for bread for the body, forgiveness for the soul, and guidance for the mind. Notice what Jesus did here. In this one prayer, Jesus wrapped up all of life together. He covers it all. There is nothing that Jesus leaves out. All right, quick recap. Here we go. We're almost done. Prayer is an invitation in the relationship with the Almighty God. Prayer is the pursuit of a person. And most recently, here in verses 3 through 4, prayer leads us towards what's best. Total reliance on God. That's what's best. In all of life, God's presence is absolutely a necessity. We should be a people desperate for God. That recognition is at the heart of the Lord's Prayer. Even in the song we sang earlier, Spirit, come, fill us. I love what Daryl Bach says. He says this, The Lord's Prayer bonds the disciple to God, recognizing that the affairs of life are often a matter in which we either walk alone or we walk with God. The disciple's prayer, or the Lord's Prayer, acknowledges that our hand needs to be in his hand. Friends, we are called to total reliance on God, bread for the body, forgiveness for the soul, and guidance for the mind. Okay, so what do I want you to do? Here's what I want you to do. This week, maybe we can even jump in this week with these different things. First, pray with others. 9.30, Evan, everybody's invited to pre-gathering prayer, right? That's a great time to pray with everybody. 9.30, right here, every Sunday. I also think it's cool when I'm with the family of God and I see different little prayer pods happening. I, one of the things that I've noticed in my own life is when someone asks me to pray for them and I say, uh, yeah, I got that. I'll, I'll be praying for you. I oftentimes don't pray for them. So why not just pray right then? Why not say, yeah, let's pray for that right now? I think it would be so cool that, again, I, I haven't been in this community for a while, but I think it would be so cool that after the gathering to see little prayer pods happening throughout here. You praying for one another. You inviting God to do great work kind of just inside this little community here. But now I even think about the spheres of influence that God's put us in in our workplaces. Maybe in the parks that you moms go to and take your kids to. Why not in those scenes pray immediately? 
if you say, I'm going to pray for you. Pray with others. What else do I want you to do? Change your prayer routine. A while back, my wife and I had a goal to run, I think we were running like three or four miles, four times a week. And I'm telling you right now, first of all, I hate running. I would much rather like get on a basketball court or like play some sort of competition, right? Running is not my deal, but it is really good for my body. So I go and do that with my wife. I will tell you though, if we did the same track, so the same run every single time, I'm done. I don't want to do that. So we mix it up. This is very similar in your prayer routine. Change it up. Well, Kenny, what do you mean by that? Well, I think here's some examples. Pray in the morning. Walk and pray. Check in with God three different times throughout your day, not just meals. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, but maybe a simple example would just be like, Lord, I got out of this meeting that I just had at work, and I just want to ask you, like, how did you think that went, Lord? Is there anything that I need to do differently maybe in my next meeting? Like, guys, this is relationship. This is walking with God in relationship. Change your prayer focus. Maybe this week, pray for the city. Maybe next week, pray for families at this church. Maybe the week after that, pray for the person that you know who doesn't know Jesus. Mix up your routine. Also, when you pray, this is a question I would have for you. Are you a desperate person? Do you acknowledge that in this life, your hand needs to be in God's hand? Are you desperate with other desperate people? Desperation goes beyond a once-in-a-while to-do list for God, but instead extends into a loving relationship with a caring Heavenly Father. A relationship with a consistent communication where we seek God, we enjoy God, and we ask God. My last thing that I'd ask you to do is this. Take a step. Earlier in my message, I asked you how, how many of us could grow in our prayer life, and I think I saw everybody raise their hand because you, you, know, you don't want church discipline or something like that. No, I'm just kidding. No, I saw you raise your hand, and I think it's so true. We all today can take a step. So what is that for you? And I just encourage you to take that step. Take that step and join the Spirit of God in what He's doing right now in your heart, in your mind, in, in your body, what he's sharing with you, take that step with courage. In just a second, uh, I'm actually, I'll, I'll invite the band back up here. I'm going to um, uh, just let you know that we are doing uh, communion today. And so the bread and the cup are in the back. Uh, during this next song, you can jump in uh, and uh, grab the elements. And then I think Evan's going to lead us in that here in just a moment. But um, as the, the, the team's coming up and getting ready, I, I want to do this. And I'm going to let Brooke like, take as much time as she feels this will take. But I just want to give us the opportunity to pray right now. On your own, pray. I just invite you to just pray to our caring, 
Heavenly Father in whatever that is right now. So quietly, however that is for you, I invite you to close your eyes. I invite you to, you know, put your hands on your knees, whatever that is for you. But I invite you into a prayer time right now before Evan leads us into communion here in just a moment, uh, just seeking God. And maybe all it is, friends, is that you would seek him for that next step right now and even this moment quietly before him. So let's do that together. Let's just spend some time praying.